0: and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host as always, but this is a slightly different show this week because if you're a regular listener, you'll know that what we do is look over the Rangers game from the weekend, but there wasn't one due to Scottish Cup early exit syndrome, unfortunately. So. We didn't want to leave you without anything to listen to this Monday evening, and we asked our community on Patreon, where we have a subscription service, for their questions. If you're not on, Patreon following us well why not you would absolutely love it particularly believe it or not the weekends where there's no rangers to fill up your time with and if you're thinking "Ah, well it's just rangers content I don't know if I could listen to it every single day I think you'd be surprised by the volume and the depth of the quality over there so if you listen on a commute if you listen in the gym to podcasts if you listen to them at work for example and you've got a lot of time to fill up then why not give us a try it's just $1.99 per month and for that you will get tons of great content including not just Rangers related content historical quizzes current events daily news shows etc but loads of non-rangers football related stuff including regular shows on the top leagues in Europe but also a whole range of non-football related products including gaming podcasts including recently we started a music podcast we've also got pop culture podcast there's tons. Think of it like a big staunch Netflix for your ears and give us a try. Just £1.99 per month. If you don't like it, it cost you two quid. If you do like it, join the community and you'll have a very good time. But as I say, we asked for questions and the guys over there delivered in their drove. So I'll just crack on with it. First question comes from Derek Johnston. He says, if Lafferty was moved on in the summer, would you take Peter Crouch for a season for the Target Man striker role? No, I wouldn't. Because one... I think these past the best, and that's not derogatory, it's just a fact, you know, clearly they're past the best, but I think these past the best big names, they rarely work for us. And also on top of that, we have Jermaine Defoe, who I do think will be an exception and and prove to to score a lot of goals for us. But that would then be two strikers in their late thirties. Not for me. I'd rather have the one experienced striker. I think it's a, a great idea and I think you can do that. But I'd be looking at a, different age group in the summer in all honesty and I suppose being a Rangers fan I've just been bumped too often with these guys that arrive and maybe it's our expectations are wrong because we hear the name and we think back to what they were and then they arrive and unfortunately they just can't produce it but I think it was best described by a friend uh, one of the podders Adam who described Nico Cranchar memorably last season as the ghost of Nico Cranchard, and I think that can happen too often with those type of players. Andrew Anderson asks, how well do you rate Gerard's season this year and what does he need to do next year to keep the job next season? Well, he has to win something. I think that's very clear. And I think that we would expect to be closer to Celtic in the in than we have managed this season. I'd, I'd rate him um, between a six and a seven this season. I think he made a lot of errors and uh, I don't think there's any point pretending he didn't. But I think he has the ability to learn from them. And I think he did deliver certain important milestones for us. The European campaign was wonderful and it was great to see Rangers back competing at a level we would expect to find our club. And also monkey off the back of the old firm victory. I think that was very important psychologically for us. The disappointments have been what looks like failure to learn how to cope with certain defensive strategies that clubs come up with to to players. I think we have struggled at times in terms of creativity. I think he's been a little dogmatic at times in terms of his system. And then recently we've seen him be a wee bit more flexible and we've got the results from that. So when he sits down in the summer, because I've spoken about this before, when we... Say things like he's a manager, who make mistakes and he'll learn. I think there's almost a belief that what we mean by learn is it didn't work on Saturday, I'll fix it next week. And I don't think football works like that. I think it's more an evolutionary process. And I think we've seen that over the season. And I think hopefully once he gets a chance to sit down and reflect properly in the summer. We'll see it again. But I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that he needs to win something next season to continue to to keep the support of the fans. But you never know. The circumstances could be slightly different. It just depends on how the season goes, the type of football we play, the results that we get. Um, But when you look at the silly points this season we've dropped, and it it does feel like that. That's no disrespect meant to anybody. But there are points Rangers should have had this season. And there's been very few games where you've thought, we were lucky there. Rangers have had to generally play well to win matches and when we've dropped to average then we have usually drawn. and in fact some matches were played really well and not won. I can think of the two Hibs matches for example. So that's what I I think moving forward he needs to address and if he does then there's a lot of opportunity in Scottish football for him and he could end up with a lot of silverware and that is the plan I'm sure. Simon1872 says, Greg Stewart on paper is yet another mediocre squad filler. What do the guys think he will bring? What must be the key for the club's recruitment? The key for the recruitment in the summer for me is simple. We need quality. Um, I've nothing against bringing in guys who will be able backups or options for certain matches, which is what you would imagine Greg Stewart would be, but we need four or five genuine quality first-teamers. Guys who arrive as first-teamers that you look at and you say, Oof, Right here we go. This is this is serious and can make an immediate impact. So, it, as a squad, you've still got to fill it. You've still got to bring in players because we'll move players along in the summer. There's obviously the lone players, etc. So. It's important as a club that that we don't forget that we do still have to look at short term, medium term, long term. And you can't concentrate too much on one or the other. You've, you've got to try and balance it. But what we need are several quality players to come in. I don't think we need 10, 12 signings in the summer, but I do think we need a minimum three or four really good signings. Four is the number that keeps coming to my head when I think about it. So that's what I would go for. Scott McIntosh, is Craig Thompson a cheat as opposed to being a really pish referee? I would say he's a really piss referee due to the fact that I think if I said he was a cheat, then that would open me up to legal um, proceedings. So, for that reason, we'll go with the other one. Robert Kelly, is there any SPL, or are there any SPL players that we could sign that would be good enough for the first team? Yeah, there's bound to be. Um, the problem is, is it's not always about talent. When you sign for the Rangers, it's about the ability to, A, understand that it's a different game and what worked for you at your parent club isn't necessarily going to work exactly that way at Rangers because teams will play harder against us teams will sit in a lot more against us it's a different ball game and the pressure is exceptional and that is something else there's a difference between playing pretty much most weeks at say St Johnston in front of 3,000 people to go to Ibrox, 50,000 people 50,000 very demanding people who will be on your back when things aren't going well you need a mental strength to try and overcome that so that for me is the key thing, but there are undoubtedly players. The idea that there isn't a player in Scottish football that could come in and succeed at Rangers, I think, is facile. I don't believe that for a second. That's a good one. William Old, top five worst loan signings you've seen play live. Good gods, and isn't it isn't it telling that uh, he could he could ask for five and I could I could do it? I think that says a lot about some of Rangers' forays into the loan market over the years. Right, okay, top five. Well, Jerome Rothen was uh, awful. <laughs> I mean, just couldn't believe it. Because the last we'd seen this guy, he was playing really well for a Monaco side that got to the Champions League final, and then, what, five years later, four years later, he pitches up at Ibrox and he couldn't run. He was god awful. Going back in the sands of time, Thomas Myra, the Norwegian goalkeeper, we got on loan in Dick Arbacat's time, and I thought he was bloody awful. Go back and watch him. He was a terrible, terrible goalkeeper. Uh, certainly in his time at Rangers. Apologies if he's a Norwegian legend and I'm just not sure of it, but he'd have to go into that category. Franny Jeffers would be in there because he was a weird one. He arrived on loan and you thought, okay, this will be interesting. But it wasn't that he played badly. He just never seemed to touch the ball. I have no recollections of Franny Jeffers doing anything in a Rangers shirt. Um, just a terrible player in that same uh trunch that same class uh Olivier bernard who was again you thought oh, he was quite good at newcastle i uh, don't know whether or not he'd given up football due to some sort of religious thing he'd maybe joined a cult or whatever that that frowned on it but he was absolutely atrocious and that leaves me one other um you could pick any four of the five from newcastle so for number five i'll pick all four of the newcastle loanies during the uh, lower league years that wasn't fun at all stephen harvey what are your expectations for the last five games compared to how you think the results will go considering we've struggled to beat most of the teams we're facing with the exception of hearts i'm always an optimist you know i would expect us to to win these matches because i think we're better than these sides um for example Hibs, i think are bloody lucky to have walked away with. Uh, three points from us this season so no i am fully expecting rangers to to win these matches um i think that in the last few games we've shown an understanding that we need to do different things when we're coming up against these teams finally uh, and you can argue legitimately why did it take so long but i think that we have seen that and yeah I like that. it's maybe just me but I'm, I'm looking for 15 points here brian mcdougall if you could make a goal line clearance to prevent any goal scored against us in a history, which would it be Frank Sauzé's Marseille Rangers uh, in the velodrome in 1993? It would, uh, would have been a hell of a block right enough, but I'd have got back on the line. And uh, any part of my anatomy, be it, well, not my arms, because that would have led to trouble, but I'd have been willing to put up face, backside, knackers, you name it, to keep that one out of the net. So that one for me. Callum McCulloch, do you think we may regret letting Liam Kelly go? Perhaps I think we might sign him back. If I'm correct, Robbie McCrory is only a year younger than him and Kelly has been the best keeper in Scotland this season by some distance and has the most clean sheets. Although I know there is a difference between a goalie making a save every two minutes and one making a save every 25 minutes. I think Liam Kelly's become a better player for his time away um, because of exactly what you said. He's playing week in, week out. He's playing regularly. He's getting experience he just wouldn't have got at Ibrox. Um it certainly could see him back in the future, yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's an unbelievable proposition moving forward in the future. And I don't actually think that the club would regret letting him go unless his value sourced to something crazy, which I don't think it will. The I think that a lot of big clubs do this and then they, they buy players back and we sometimes go, oh, you had him. But part of it is, yeah, but we had to let him go out. And not only experience first team football, but experience, if you like, being out of the comfort blanket, especially young players that have developed a really big club. I think is a good example of that. glenn Camara grows up at Arsenal. And I'm not suggesting Arsenal, I'm going to say Glen Camara, by the way, before anyone jumps on me, but he he grows up at Arsenal, uh, in this wonderful world where everything's done for you and, you know, you're in these wonderful facilities, everything's brilliant. And then suddenly you're taken away from that and you've got an uncertain future. And he went off to Dundee. Talk about culture shock. Um Dundee in London Slightly different places if, uh, if you've been to both. and <laughs> he, he, I'm actually laughing at that. I just the, the thought of a group of Dodonians walking around London and going, wow, look, a with Wheels. It's like, nah, mean that's a bus. But he, he then tees the other side of the coin, and I think it makes you more rounded, more grateful for what you've got. And I think that you, you can see that with, with a player. So, yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him back then. Craig... We are closer to Celtic in the games we played them this year and we are comfortably in second place. Yeah, I feel this season is actually quite a disappointment, probably stemming from cup defeats to Aberdeen and some really poor league results. What's your overall feeling about how we've done this year and what should be our minimum targets next year? I think we've touched on that. Um, uh, I mean, it, 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 Craig goes on to say, I really think we need to be in both cup finals, winning one and challenging for the league in the very last game. I mean, that's that's a high expectation. And again, it's I'm sure there are people here and say say, like, oh, but we're Rangers... Unfortunately, saying the word, but we are Rangers, doesn't eradicate the last eight years. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. I wish it did. Otherwise, if it did, this podcast would be 45 minutes of me saying, but we are Rangers. And the question is, are we better than we were this season? Yes, we are. And anyone who says that we aren't, I think, is is maybe looking to, to, to push an idea that they've already made their mind upon. I get a little bit frustrated by it. I think it's a bit childish. At times when people do the whole stamp their feet and say we should be better, yeah, I wish we were, but we're not currently. Are we getting there? Yeah, I think we're on the right road. Are we getting there as quickly as I want to? No, we're not. But again, you when you see people say we we need to sack the manager and bring someone else in, you're like, oh, yeah, it's not going to work. We can't continually do this. You've got to give somebody time to build something. And I think that he's shown enough to suggest that he might be the guy, and he might not be. In which case. We'll start something else i think it was franklin roosevelt that said uh, try something if it works great if it doesn't acknowledge it and move on without recrimination the important thing is to try and that's kind of where i am with it at the moment i do think he needs to win something yeah i'd agree with that but for me, I think when you set these targets at the start of a season, it's always going to be for us to win the title. And no matter what we say, and we talked about it in the summer, about, yeah, yeah, we're looking for progress. We're Rangers fans. No, we're not. We talk out both sides of our mouth. And we say that. What we mean is, when is the bloody league? We're sick of this. And I think that that's really where it is. So, yeah, we, we definitely do need to be challenging more this season. I don't think this season was a disappointment, um, in the, except in the sense that it's always a disappointment if we don't win the league. And that, with that caveat, yeah, yes, every season we don't win the league as a disappointment. But I think that, for me, maybe it's just class half full versus class half empty. But I think there were enough signs uh, and enough high points to suggest that, yeah, okay, we're onto something here if we stick with it. Um, for me, it's too easy to just turn around every three months when things aren't going perfectly and going, right, get rid of him. And I'm not, I'm not particularly into that. Colin Gregg, uh, a lot of the current transfer rumours seem to be players that most fans consider squad players, uh, I think we should look for maybe one or two marquee signings, obviously the Gascoigne, Newman van Bronckner days have gone but we need the type of players who can really make the difference, but well, yeah we do, absolutely, but the problem is that everybody wants those type of players and a lot of the everybody has more money than we do and the idea of going out and getting top quality players to put it in context newcastle break the transfer record this season sign a guy for 20 million from the mls and the rest of the english people are laughing at them saying wow 20 million that's really going to turn around your season that's where we are now you know and i think we sometimes see when we buy a player for 2 million because 2 million to us is a fortune we go right deliver and the guy turns up and it turns out he's average or he's okay well yeah because that's what two million buys you now and if he was better than that a would have cost more and b wouldn't be in scotland so i know nobody likes to hear this but that's kind of the reality that you've got to try and find hidden diamonds and the problem is when you're doing that you have to go through a lot of rough to find the the diamond and when you do they're generally uncut and you need to work on them but yeah i think that what you need to do is target the very best you can get at the very highest end of your budget so by that saying look what is the most we can afford to spend let's push it not put the club in jeopardy obviously ever again um and not spend what we don't have but rather than saying you know we've, we've got 12 and we'll invest 10 and keep two for a rainy day i think you've got to go for 12 and rather than saying we'll bring in seven players i'd rather look at you know two million each say and i'm just using that as a um or you could bring in three at five million then I'd go with the latter course, um, that's what I would do. Ross Munro, David, when did you get the first idea to start Heart in Hand and did you ever think it would be as, as successful as it is? I first got the idea to start Heart and Hand in 2010 um and that's then what what i did uh, the reason was is i i've spoken about this before there were football podcasts club podcasts i liked even though i wasn't a fan of the club just because they were funny and interesting and real and i thought that would be good if somebody did that for rangers and i was speaking to a friend about it and he said well you do it and i was like no nah, i don't know anything about it and he said you do it, go on and we did it and here we are all these years later it's it's never stopped since then i never thought it would get to this level no um how how could you you know at at the time there wasn't really any i mean the the podcast market now is massively saturated it wasn't then because we're coming up from nearly a decade when you think on it and you know there was no such thing as as patreon and things like that so no the idea that we would ever be in a position to as i say become you know staunch netflix um was beyond my dreams and even when we launched the the patreon service i didn't think we'd get anyone near the amount of subscribers anyone near the amount of subscribers we got um or the amount of contributors or the fact that we're able to put out five shows every single day um you know i was thinking maybe be one or two but now it's become as, as people say to me it's like a way of life for people and i think that what's always remained important to me is because you know coming from a background of the trust and, and fans and fans groups is that it feels like a big gang and i think that's what heart and hand does and when we're at our best that's what it does you are a part of it i am a part of it the other podders are a part of it that's the whole thing i think um if you've been at one of our live shows you really feel that um everybody gets on and everybody feels you know part of the same thing and i think there's something special in that so hopefully this is just the tip of the iceberg Alan Fowler, what do you think about uh, Stephen Gerrard bringing in a fresh voice at training? I know Eck brought in Walter to give a team talk recently and it seemed to work for Livingston when they brought in Hartson to coach the Strikers. Would you be happy to see the likes of Goff and Haley being brought in temporarily to coach the defence Strikers respectively? I've always thought we should utilise past legends to pass on their knowledge and show them what it means to play for us. I'm certainly not against bringing in these guys to talk to the players, maybe work a training session or two with them. Yeah, I think that's that's always a good idea. Um you know, it's not like you're not doing it every day but I think every so often there's a wee boost for players I think it's a cracking idea yeah and especially telling them what it means and I, I think it helps in any walk of life if you've got somebody who said look I know what it is what you're going through or what you're expected to do and this is how I achieved it anything's easier with, a, with a, a guidebook that somebody who's been there before and done it has written uh, I don't think the idea of bringing in a coach permanently just because he used to play for us is the best idea. You don't know how he's going to work with other coaches, etc. You don't know what his views on the game are. Uh, but bringing in one off guy yeah, every so often, or Richard Goff going to training every time he's over from the States is brilliant. I think uh, Nico Katic was out for dinner with Richard Goff lately, and I mean, you've got to imagine that's something the club set up. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think it's a very good idea. I'd like to point out for anyone who might think that I have just uh, disgraced myself with a bottom bump that that was actually my dog and the producer of the show Maya groaning, so yeah, I, I'm not taking the blame for it, frankly. Stephen Barber. Rumour has it that we are in for a new defender this summer. You guys' opinion on what sort of defender do we need? Is it a sort of ball playing defender like Joe warrell or a more commanding, built like a brick shithouse defender like Butcher? Or day I say it maybe Scott mckenna do you think McKenna could marshal a defence if not McKenna who, well first of all Stephen there's no chance of McKenna because of the money that he would go for, uh, while I don't think that Aberdeen will get their 10, their, their 10 million for him, they'll uh, probably get, they'll definitely go over 5 and probably near an 8 for him and Rangers can't really pay that for anyone and certainly shouldn't be paying it for Scott McKenna, uh, I really hope Celtic do, um, nothing against Scott McKenna, he's a perfectly decent Scottish centre half but he's no more than that and uh, I think like most non Arbor or media people in Scotland, because this isn't just a Rangers thing, then we're all kinda looking at it and going, Okay, ten million. Right. Um so that's that, that wouldn't that can't happen. Um I at heart, Rangers have been linked with him. I think he's a really good player for the money. Uh the one thing he lacks is a wee bit of pace that I think if he did have the pace I think he he would be playing in England. But he's a good player and I could see him in Goldson forming an effective partnership. But yeah, we'll definitely need centre-backs to Summer Wardle, we'll go back to Nottingham Forest, and you'll also see, I think, Macaulay go. So we'll need two centre-backs. E and a, if you were to pick a spine of a team to build around from a history, who would your four players be? A goalkeeper, centre-half, centre-mid, striker for me, Gorham, Goff, Gaza, McCoist. First two, I agree, Gorham and Goff, absolutely. But then for spine for me, I think, suggests to me that you go for the stronger players in there and your skillful players playing off or with them so while gaz and mccoyce would both be in my team um the midfield spine guy would be graham Soonis and the striker would be mark hatley and uh, Gorham goff soonest hatley i'd take that as a fives team even if the other had five because uh we'd still win Ross, there are a few players fighting for the future. Should we play them to see if they stay or go? What's your thoughts as we stand? Main ones I have in mind are Lafferty, the Davis, McCauley. Can he kick on this season? Or uh, Grejda in particular, can he kick on this season? Or is he done? He's behind Kent, Candace, Middleton. Then you had Jones arriving, Murphy coming back. And we're also being linked recently with Jake Hasty. Seems he's very far down the pecking order. Yeah, I, I think Greshda will go. I think he'll go in the summer if there's any interest in him. Um, or possibly even out on loan. Uh, wouldn't be surprised, incidentally, if he went back to Osicek on loan. So I think you'll you'll probably see see him go. Um, of the other ones, McCauley, no, I think he's done, um, unfortunately. But this season he's just looked well off the pace, and maybe at that age you need to play every week because if you're not playing regularly, you, you can lose that bit of sharpness quicker than you maybe do when you're younger. So I think he'll be on his way. Lafferty, I think, will probably go. Um, I, just hasn't worked at all for him really and I'd be surprised if he was retained and if he is retained he's going to be very much the cover guy so I think he'll go. Um, Davis will stay I'm pretty sure of that now Uh, I think it was touch and go for a bit but I think he's had an upturn in both form and uh, training and whatnot Uh, I'm not 100% on it In, in January I was when he arrived but I suspect he'll still stay next season. As for playing them in the last few games, no, you pick the, pick the best team. Let's win these games. Um, that's more important. So, no, pick, pick the best teams in the last few matches. It's the summer and we can sign Ryan Kent for 3 million, but only if we sell Liverpool or Federico Morelos for 10 million. Would you do the deal or not? Uh, yes, I would do that deal um, in the summer. So uh, that would be... Uh, but apparently Kent value him round about the 12 million mark. But um, if they could be talked and <laughs> doing that deal, then yes, I would take that deal. John McLean, um, fresh from Nakatomi Tower, says, what can we do to get games refereed properly? Oh, i sure of rubbing a magic lamp and hoping no. a big guy comes out offering wishes, John. I'm not entirely sure. Um, he mentions the Aberdeen Cup game versus Celtic. Um, remember May's challenge on Jack that went unpunished. Uh, was very similar to Ball on Christie, the Celtic penalty too. was a joke in the same game. If that's us, it's a yellow for the attacker. I think we need to be more vocal on it and illustrate these examples to stimulate the debate. I think the debate is ongoing now about referees in general. And I think that the referees have kind of brought it on themselves this season with some horrendous officiating. And look, I do go with the whole it's a tough job thing. And admittedly, it's a tough job, but nobody makes them do it. So... That kind of goes out the window slightly when that happens. It's sort of like, you know, you once you decide you want to be a ref and they're well paid for it. Let's not forget this. We sometimes go on or or the media sometimes go on as if referees are are, do, are voluntary you know, like the like St. John's Ambulance. They're not, they get paid in quite a lot. So um yeah we need better referees we need referees to take responsibility and they don't and what we really need to do is to highlight the inconsistencies but the problem we have in scotland is the deeply unreceptive and hostile media that if Club A come out and say well look at this officiating," and people say oh you're absolutely right That's terrible um if we come out and say oh gosh shut up and that's the problem because it's it's easy for referees to give bad decisions against us currently so that fits into a longer term thing about changing the, the media narrative etc but I think the SFA, because their tendency is to just blindly back the referees in the story, you know, and say, oh, well, it was a mistake on their part, as if that excuses it. Well, Well, at least they weren't cheating. It was just a mistake. It doesn't excuse it. Stop making so many mistakes. Stop making so many big mistakes. You accept there'll be the odd one, but it's every game. And the only thing, it's not just Rangers fans who feel this way because they are bad referees. The most, I think ridiculous and simplistic defence that you get of referees, and you do get this from the SFA and you do get it from the media, is oh, well, if all the clubs don't like them, then that shows they're doing something right because there's no bias. No, it means that they're in terrible at their job. How difficult is this to... Oh, they're sending somebody for me, lads. If I'm not here in five minutes, you'll know you'll know what's happened. Um, so yeah, I, I agree that we need referees to be better. Here's something we could do with, though. And that's football managers being a little bit less partial, which is when you do your dinger about a bit of decision and then you get one for you the following week, you've got to kind of admit to it. And I think that that's that's partially the thing about uh, the club on the other half of the city, who I don't particularly want to associate with, given the the past and what's going to happen to them in the near future. But. They would have you believe they've never had a decision. Whereas, you know, we can point the last six games and we pick it. Through. And I think that people have got to be honest and say, and we tried to be on here. And if you're a listener, you'll know that. We've, that wasn't a penalty. We got away with one there. And I think that we need managers to be a wee bit more open. And by that, I, I don't expect that we turn out and lambast well, the referee for giving them a decision. But just remember it the next time they they get one for them. Um, or get one against them is where you weren't complaining then and I, I think that would help it and finally we could do with a compliance officer to um, go away <laughs> just just go away it's no good, it doesn't help, everyone hates it and I can't think of something in any other business sphere where the employees hate it and the customers hate it and a company retains it to no no benefit, I don't understand that but it's the SFA, I suppose. Ross, Mikhailachenko or Hustra, who did you prefer? Miko, I preferred. He was a lazy bastard. And in fact, he was such a lazy bastard that he was almost heroically lazy. He was admirably lazy. Uh, I remember my dad saying to me one time that he suspected that in one of his early games at Ibrox, Miko had lost a pound coin round about the halfway line because he spent the rest of his Ibrox career looking for it. And that kind of summed him up. And I remember one time when we only had two subs, it was St Johnston away and it was Miko and Durant, and they got set to warm up, and Durant started doing sprints up and down the touchline. Miko stood up, stretched, <laughs> like yawned, and waited to come on. So I, I kind of admire that he was a tremendous player. Didn't do enough for us, unfortunately, but he was a great player. Hooster was a good player, but I think maybe he's over uh, fondly remembered in the sands of time. Uh, a lot of time he was in and out the side he was he was decent uh everything's relative if we had him now we'd all be walking about with hustra on the back of our jerseys and hustra tattoos but back then i thought he was only decent um so for me it was miko who genuinely did a world-class talent when he chose to use it the problem was not that often Ian Mitchell, if McLeish had managed second place in 2005-06, do you think Paul Le would have been back more substantially as we would have had potentially money from Champions League coming in had we negotiated the way through the qualifiers? He would have, but only if he'd got through. So yeah, he wouldn't have been given it on the off chance. No, he would have been given it had we got through. And I think that's the same for for any manager um, that the budget goes up if you achieve beyond the financial targets by that stage though murray was well into the needing champions league money for the wage bill um era and we don't know how that led to so i don't think it would have been huge he wouldn't have went way well, that was 10 million we hadn't budgeted for it was uh budgeted for so yes i think it would have been better and different i still don't think it would have worked it because like when he arrived just instantly thought i've made a mistake here i just shouldn't do it i don't belong here And we've all done it. We've all taken a job and thought this sounds great, gone in a few weeks and went, nah, not for me, made the wrong call. And it's not reflective on the institution, it's not reflective particularly on you, it's just not the right fit. And I think he'd already made his mind up that that was the case. And if you want to hear a lot more on this, uh, we have a show on our network called Murray and Me. In which I go into a lot of details Martin Ramsey quizzes me on, on all my dealings with Murray and we do a lot on that summer of 2006 and what was promised what was delivered and what went on in the background of the Le Guen era so that's maybe something for you new subscribers to go and have a listen to speaking of that actually I'm going to take a wee break and ask you to do something that we've never asked you to do before and I'll explain why. Every time this time of year, all your favourite podcasts start asking you to vote for them in the British Podcast Awards, and we've never done that um, because we we don't you know, we don't need it. It's um, obviously nice to to win something, but we've never wanted to, to beg for your votes, and we just thought, nah, you know, let let people do it. Um, but this year, we will make an exception and beg for your votes because there's been such a grassroots thing that people have just started doing this, and. To be honest we're so flattered and that we thought well listeners are actually going out their way to try and drum up support for us and it seems a bit much that they are whereas we won't lift our hand to do it so if you like heart in hand and we would hope you've got this far into this kind of pod we would think you would then please go and vote for us it's uh, www.britishpodcastawards.com easy enough britishpodcastawards.com click on vote and enter in heart and hand and up will pop just choose us and vote for us and and like i say it's uh, there's no financial reward or anything for it the, you get a night out in london i believe which i wouldn't go to so you'll be sending two of the other borders down to pick up the award um on our behalf but, but yeah it'd be nice it'd be nice to be able to taunt people with it you know, that would be good. We'd be, we'd love to do that. We'd love to go up to, like, Celtic Podcasts and wave it in their face and go, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there you go. If you wouldn't mind, com. And if you can't be arsed, then I'd totally understand that as well. That's kind of where I would be. David, with the stadium being packed to the rafters every week and season tickets at an all-time high? If we could extend the stadium, which stand would you look at? The corners looking like that isn't an option. Where could we add to increase the capacity to cope with the demand? That's a real tough one, David. Um... I'm not sure you wouldn't have to knock down uh, existing stands and rebuild. Obviously, the main stand, untouchable, but the other three, you maybe need to look at doing that and rebuild if you wanted to extend the capacity. I suppose you could take the screens out and do something in the corner. I don't know. The cost is huge, the initial start-up cost, so I don't see it happening for a while, unfortunately. But um, uh, long-term, who knows? But right now, I don't see that being something that because you, you are talking. Tens of millions, even for a, And yes, it'll pay itself back in a number of years. We know that. But uh, the initial startup cost is big. Colin Kerr, what's the longest you've sat in a coach traveling to watch Rangers? I went to Belgrade in 1990. Oof, I'll send you in a daily tale about that trip sometime. I look forward to that, Colin. Get it tight, get it in. But uh, for me, with Dortmund in 95. Uh, and it was from, wasn't even from Glasgow or Co-winning. It was from Stirling, where I was living at the time at university. And I travelled through to watch Rangers from there. Stuart Shields, strikers for next season. With Alfie probably leaving, where does that leave Lafferty running in Hardy? I would expect Hardy to be kept as an option. He's done well at Levy, so deserves a chance. Run to be loaned out to Premier League team. Maybe Levy to replace Hardy and Lafferty could go either way. I think you've answered your own question, <laughs> Stuart, absolutely brilliantly. And I think your plan is, is spot on, in all honesty. So, yeah, I think you might be right there. Andrew Hills. Or Hillis, sorry do you believe the board is ambitious enough with regards to a developing the stadium i.e safe standing filling in the tv corners upgrading the food and drink facilities uh and b improving the match the experience i.e fan zone pre and half time entertainment is pretty poor i fully appreciate all these take money but we need to draw on our business partners better to help drive more action i do i believe they're very ambitious and i believe they're taking care of stuff that they don't necessarily need to and that other boards haven't given a toss about and even things like a fan zone for example you know it, previous boards didn't care about stuff like that and doing upgrades to the stadium and whatnot the problem is with Rangers is that everything was broken you know everything needed attention everything needed fixed from staffing to pitches to the home training center to you know equipment and offices to the stands to the toilets you name it it needed doing and the problem is is they've got an enormous to-do list and when they don't get to stuff that is maybe priority for a certain fan as opposed to another fan, then they're going to get criticism for it. Ambition doesn't always equal ability to deliver. Incidentally, David Murray was ambitious, Peter Ridsdale was ambitious, you've got to be ambitious, but within a framework of what is realistic and achievable. You've got to push yourself, of course, you've got to continually push yourself. But that's, that's a key part. And also that sometimes when you you want to go and fix it doesn't mean that you do it properly and that can happen as well i think we just fancy this needs done and the club say we're going to go and do this and we assume that means it's going to get done sometimes they go to do it and balls up so that can happen as well but things they try don't work and see my earlier comments about always continuing to try so i do think the board they care about stuff that other boards don't whether they're doing everything right is always open to question I mean I think this board's heart is very much in the right place but that doesn't always mean they make good decisions and that's where we as fans need to criticise I will very rarely attack the board's motives and that's new for me because the last 10 years that's not been the case at all but their motives are usually bang on but as a fan and as a a shareholder and a season ticket holder I think I and you and everyone listening has well not everyone listening um, hello to our army of, uh, of Celtic fans, but most people listening have a right to question it and say, is the strategy right? And, you know, what is it they say about the, the road to being path with good intentions? Good intentions aren't enough. We still need them to deliver on top of that as well. So it's not enough to give them a free pass. You know, the fact that they care and they're trying doesn't mean that we just go, well, that's that's great. Then we'll leave you to it. We have still allowed and in fact, I think we still have a duty to say Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about this? Um, That's kind of our job with the conscience of the club. And again, it's like the referees earlier on. Sometimes the board might go, well, look, we stepped up and we're doing that. And look, we're grateful, but this is still sort of how the relationship is supposed to work. We hold you to account and we're never not going to hold you to account. So you wanted the job. You've got it. We want you to do it brilliantly. And it works both ways. Do it Badly, and we will criticise. Do it well, you'll we'll be legends. So, there's a reward there eventually. Henry Robertson, what do you think? That, why do you think the club strategy and PR is so howlingly bad? Why do we continue to use who we use, and how should the club proceed? In regards to referees' performance, do you think the media team or someone else should put together footage of the upcoming official and the previous disgraceful efforts in the run-up to each match to put them in the current mindset? It's probably not allowed officially, but still, yeah, it's not allowed officially. Um, but if a fan wanted to do it. Um, in terms of our PR, um, yeah, I, I don't understand. It's better now. We've seen things like the Stuart Robertson interview and the training interview that are better than it's been in the past. But yeah, I still think it needs to be more aggressive. I think it needs to be more direct. But I accept, and this has been said to me and it's it's valid, that I am very much scorched earth when it comes to the media. That I am kind of burn it down. You know, Um, none of this is, the whole thing is rotten. None of this is salvageable. So just go in the attack and take a flamethrower at everything. And there are other people who would say that that's the wrong approach and you need to try and get on and the media is the media and we can't work outside it or pretend it doesn't exist. So there are loads of different opinions and ways of dealing with it. But for me, yes, I'd like us to be much more vociferous, much more direct and much more aggressive. I don't think that what we do has worked for us in the past. And the problem that we're dealing with is we're not dealing with the media who don't know unfair to us and need to be corrected we're we're dealing with the media who know how they treat us and are quite happy with the status quo and that why to me it should always be a fight because it is a fight they hate us they're trying to hold us down and when that happens you've got to fight back you're not going to get there with nice behavior so i think that the time for try to be reasonable is long since past and i'd like us to be as i said damn sight more aggressive ian should be prioritized europa league qualification or stronger start to League cup next season I mean, financially, yeah, Europa League qualification should absolutely be the priority, I get that. But as a fan, no league for me this year, just boom, that's the key thing. But I get that, you know, I'm going to be going, well, where's the money? Why aren't you signing people? And then the one route they've got to get serious money, I'm saying, don't worry about that. So it's a tricky one. Um, I suppose the ideal thing is just Steven Gerrard goes you know, takes us into the Europa League, wins it, wins us a treble, and then that sort of solves all the arguments, doesn't it? So there you go, Stevie, there's a target for next season. Uh, there's some of the questions, uh, repetitions. Yeah, Scott Skinner, you've regularly moved your seat over the years. Where is your favourite place to sit at Ibrox? I sit in the main stand currently, and I like that just because you get to go in through the main stand. But the best view in the place is Govanry or halfway line, um, I have found. Graham Roy, is there an argument to change the Champions League back to the Champions only and then to increase the uh, status of the Europa League by including a better standard as a team? I know that will never happen. Do you think we'll ever see Rangers getting into the later stages of the Champions League within the next 10 years? No, um, it never will happen. And um, hopefully, you know, you can always dream, but it would take a lot in that time but Ajax are proving this year you get a fair win behind you some good players you never know the problem that they have is the problem that we have that that team of theirs that is so exciting is going to be ripped apart in the summer um, and success almost hurts where that happens but uh, the Champions League is never going to change now they're getting it to what they want it to be which is pretty close now to invite only 20 of the places are assigned now to the top 5 leagues um, they don't want clubs from countries like ours in it and they have been as honest as i think they, they probably can be so yeah um and i think that unfortunately that this is a party that we're just not getting an invite to um ryan lynch only because this is the show that's broadcast to anyone on youtube um, do you think other Scottish teams and any other fans with a brain regret demoting us down but won't admit it? Points to note. 1. Their attendances went down. 2. Celtic have control of refs and media and unchallenged titles win. On that note, it isn't only us that gets dodgy decisions against us when playing that mob. Other teams do. 3. National team is a farce. When you demote one of its contributors and utilise a club team who are unchallenged at home but thumped in Europe, then the national team will obviously suffer. 4. The appeal of a Scottish game suffered hugely and still does. We've one of the biggest footballing names of the last 20 years as our manager. Sky, BBC, BT should be pissing themselves with delight and budding up to us as interviews with our manager could be sold and broadcast around the world. That's a fantastic question. I'm not sure that they do because I think that too many bought into the boogeyman argument and it's still too easy to just blame us. So, national team are rubbish, that's Rangers' fault. How? Well, you're not producing players. I bet you did that So you. Shut up, it's you. That's kind of the attitude of a lot of Scottish football fans. You've got a team in Scotland they are going for their eighth league title in a row and are utterly dominant and, as you say, have the SFA and the media and the referees in their back pocket. And yet, most teams get more upset about things happening in and around us. And that's weird. That wouldn't happen in any other league. If a team was that dominant, then they would be the team that... That, te- that people would focus on, understandably, doesn't happen here. It's all about Rangers, and I think that so many people—you have to remember that a green light was given for them to hate us. It's socially acceptable. um It's backslapping when it's announced that you do that, and therefore, I think that people are just so ingrained in it. And then you have to remember as well that in Scotland, a lot of it is to do with non-footballing reasons such as politics and you know it's a very divided country at the moment politically and I think that it, for people who are in that sphere it plays well to have a go at us so I think that yeah that in our shall we say in our moments of clarity they might step back and go that maybe wasn't the best idea but I think that for a lot of them their, their hate trumps that and yeah we it's just we're a convenient blame for everything that's wrong not just in football but in this country and Rangers fans are are so convenient it's all our fault and we have to shut up and be punished and I think that, yeah, that's one of the reasons why they really don't like us still because we're kicking back and they can't handle that next question comes from Kylo and he says not my question but my dad's What's your favourite Rangers top of all time? My dad favours the 1998, I think, home top with red, white, and blue stripes at the shoulders. No, I think that's maybe the uh 97, uh, 96, 97 kit. That one, the Adidas one that you're maybe describing of. If it's got a big collar, then it's, it's definitely that one my favorite rangers top of all time is the cr smith one and there are a lot of great ones but the uh, 85 86 86 87 cr smith top for me is a beauty and soonest davy cooper ali yeah that one for me some absolute belters since of course love the adidas kits uh including the gaza one which at the time i wasn't too sure of but now i absolutely love i collect old kits um i've got dozens of them and So, yeah, I'm very into this. And if you have any really old kits, get in touch with me. Um, Hit me up. Uh, I'm willing to buy. So, yeah, uh, top collector. So, please send them in. Um, Moving on. David Scott, with our prolonged disappointment with no silverware this season, if we can get things right on the park mice to finally secure 55, I, t- I think that once you take a step back and realise what this will mean to so many people after suffering for so long, that this will eclipse every other piece of our su- silverware in our history, and I include Barcelona in that. Do you agree? Yes, I do. Um, because no club... In world football of our stature has had to go through what we went through and i know people might point to juventus but it was a one-year relegation they were coming straight up they were particularly affected no club has had to deal with the vilification and hatred that we've had to deal with the innumerable obstacles put in our way in terms of coming back the spivs being allowed free reign and then to get away unpunished by a judicial system that seems unable when it comes to rangers or, or crimes involving uh against rangers or rangers fans to be able to process or retain evidence properly that for us to come back and achieve what we've achieved or what we hope to achieve rather to achieve what we've achieved has been pretty good but to to get back to where we belong will be remarkable because it's been stymied or attempted to be at every single turn, and it still is and people still try to Make sure this is the the worst thing that can happen to a lot of people in Scottish football, and not just Celtic. It's the worst thing and it hangs over them like a sword of Damocles. And the problem is for them that one day it will come and they know it. And that's why they get hysterical. Is it's the, it'll actually be better for everyone once we've won a title and it's just out the way because they'll be able to relax and just get on with their lives. But until it happens, there's this horrible Armageddon that they know is inevitable and they know awaits them and it's coming their way. And all I can say is, um, you're fucking right it's coming your way. And it's going to be far worse than you think it's going to be. Because I will tell you all right now, that when we win this league, everything you fear about us, everything you dislike about us, we're going to ramp up to 11. We are going to be un-fucking-bearable when we win this title. So, you better hope, if you're a Rangers hater that it's held off for a while but every year just increases the pressure increases the volume when the bottle pops it is going to spread all over the bits of this country that don't like us and uh, the bubbles will get in your eyes let me assure you of that rangers fans are going to be unbelievable and it's going to be fantastic and if you like Rangers or just like a good sporting story, you're going to think it's fantastic. And if you hate Rangers or, or are a bigot, then uh, get out of the road because we are coming. And when we do, um, man, we're going to blow a load like Superman. Uh Fraser Monroe between season ticket money and the unexpected European money and potential player sales, should we have a fairly healthy transfer budget this summer? Assuming we have north of 10 million plus any Tav Alfi money, will we see that reinvested? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd hope so. I, I think we'll probably end up spending around about, I mean, I'd be gutted if it was less than 50 million but I thought it would be about 50 million in the summer and I suppose when you add everything up it probably touched that with loan fees etc but for me I think we definitely need to go 50 million minimum and then if we sell Alfie then that changes again because you need to replace him. So yeah I, I would expect to see significant uh, interest in the summer. Drop Wallace what would you do if you came home to find Brian Loudrop in bed with your other half? And Adam Story replied to take my gear off and jump in. Um, I think I would just get him to, I'd just immediately go downstairs, pick up the strips that I mentioned that I collect that, that he wore and, and start getting to sign them. And then I'll just leave them to it in peace, you know, I need to be too busy for my mates to, to come and see the jerseys. Uh, so yeah, Kyle Lewis Cooper says, uh, Hi David, I put a message in a thread a few weeks ago saying that I felt if Alfie moved on that would be the making of Stevie G's, he would have to find another way of playing, and you said that was a reasonable shout. Do you think the past couple of games without Alfie and him changing tactics formation shows that we are capable of playing a different way and there? I say a better way indeed? Hmm. Um, on the surface, it's a ludicrous thing to say that losing your best player makes you a better team. But I think that the key is in the word team that I think Rangers players when Alfie's been there have have been guilty sometimes of abdicating responsibility when it's not going well. And it becomes, I'll just kick it in Alfie's direction and hopefully he'll make something happen. And to be fair to him, quite often he does. But I think that they've had to grab the, the responsibility more when he's not there. That doesn't always mean they've done it. And anyone who's... certain matches that he hasn't played in will remember some absolutely insipid displays so sometimes they've failed but the last few matches they seem to have realized look we've got to change the way we play we've got to do different things so on the one hand yes yes i think that there is that potential but then the other argument is is but what happens if they don't grab it don't grab the responsibility we've seen what happens we lose or draw to teams that we should be putting away without any bother so it's still very much 50 50 at the moment but i think we all felt earlier on this season when alfie was out it was a crisis and to be fair to the players they played like that but maybe we need to start seeing it as an opportunity as well and for other players to come through and deliver more and get more headlines i think the likes of scott arfield you've seen that in the last few games um Chris, do you think anyone in the youth team could potentially nail down a regular first-team place, if so, so who and in what positions? I know that people are very excited about uh, guys like Josh McPake, Kai Kennedy, Stephen Kelly, Carrie Palmer. They're all very wee at the moment, that's the only thing, I think. They're all, when you see them, you know, they look like kids, physically. And at the moment, I would worry about putting them into the first team because... They all have the skill but I think they, they need to develop physically a bit but in terms of ability there's a lot of them yeah that I think are, are on the cusp there. Mikey Anderson, Gaza Alberts? I loved Alberts but you know it's Gaza, um, a genuinely world-class player so yeah Gaza for me. Uh, Scott Murphy, I saw a debate about weather uh, about this the other day, it was about the Iron Brew Cup, the Challenge Cup, the Petrol Station Diddy Cup, whatever you want to call it, and debating the format. The part that got me interested was a bit about Colts teams, main point being that Motherwell aside, they all get put out reasonably early. Do you think teams could or should take it more seriously or do you think it's just because of, uh, a lot of Premiership Colt players are on going through the leagues that were only left with 16s and 18s? The other point made was that Colts don't bring great attention to the cup. What can be raised to done, uh, done to raise the young team's profile among fans? Is it just that the Reserve League has played a Monday afternoon mostly on training grounds with no spectators? Yeah, I think so. Um, if they made it very cheap and at decent times, then I think you'd get bigger attendance. You're never going to get anywhere near what you get with the the first team, right? Because you know that old joke about, well, I support two teams, Rangers and Rangers reserves. Most football fans, they don't really care because we've been told for years that development teams, etc., reserves are there to help supply. It's a a means to an end, help supply players and improve players and get them fit for the first team. So there is that. But I mean, I've been at Rangers Celtic, old firm, Reserve matches in the past that had, you know, 20,000 people at it. I think that there is an audience there. You could be, but make it reasonable. you make it a fiver. Don't be charging 15, 20 quid for it. And obviously, if it's, you know, Rangers versus Queen of the South, those are the ones you play at the Hummel um, in the middle of the day. But yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. I, I don't see why not. RM, Alan McGregor's contract. Oh, sorry, your other point. I didn't answer, Scott. I do apologise. Um. I think it's it's very much a part of what what you said. I think people use it as a development thing. And I think that for these teams as well, they don't want to go out to you know Rangers under 18s, essentially. They don't want to lose to a youth team. So there's that. I think they play that a bit harder. And also it's the experience. I mean, our, our boys have got more ability than them, but they don't know the game the way these guys do. They don't know every shortcut and trick of the trade that an experienced guy who's got 300 senior games under his belt will know. So I think that, that that plays a part as well, yeah. RM, Alan McGregor's contract is up at the end of next season. Do you think he will play on past 2020 or does time catch up with us all? The latter part, yes, time's undefeated. But I think that we'll need to see where he is then. Um, if he's playing the way he is now, sure, why not? If he isn't, decision has to be made. G-Jaws McLeod. I agree with David on not wanting us to sign a target man and just revert to hoofball but could Zach Rudden develop into a physical presence up front for a six foot one or thereabouts doesn't seem to be phased by the physicality of the game and looks like he's still got some filling out to do yeah I think this I boy's got a real chance George I like him because he is big for his age um, he's got the frame he's not just tall he's got the frame um, and I, I don't mean that in a you know, Scottish way of he's got a big frame, which is a polite way of saying he likes a pie. I, I mean he's got that kind of big athlete, modern athlete frame. And he knows where the goal is. So I think there's an opportunity here. I'm excited about that kid. I hope he, he goes on and, and does something uh he does something right. Robin Weems are you guys as worried about myself about guys we are being linked with, such as Jones Stewart, Hasty and Shinney, not impressed by any of them and really do not want them even as squad players. I think you have been harsh there, they they would do it as squad players. Um we're not going to get an 11 superstars so you need to then pick up the best of the rest. So I'd be gutted if it was that level of player was all we got but as a squad player fine and not too many of them. We need guys that we don't groan when they're in the side but you know I think a couple of them could do a job but no more than that. Steve Clark, are there people employed at Rangers who are subscribers to heart hand and what kind of feedback do you get from them? Yes there are and generally very positive. Um, which is nice graham if dave king was willing to hear you out what message would you drive at Uh, let me do the tannoy before an old firm game just one just one i mean they couldn't let me do it again after it but by god what an afternoon we'd have lads oh and lassies you would you would love it right up until i got huckled it would be amazing chris jacqueline Realistically, how much money do you have to spend somewhat to replace Alfie and how much extra will it take to make a serious challenge? Do we have change left from the Alfredo fee that will come in? And sub-question, is Derek McInnes as big a shite bag as uh, Jerry Adams when he was cowering in fright? <laughs> McInnes is an odd one. I just think McInnes is content with what he has and where he is and the level he's at. I don't think he's got any drive to go on and push to the next level. I think he's demonstrated that several times, not just with us. Um, if you look at Jack Ross having the balls to go to Sunderland and, and try something, McKinnis doesn't have that. He's he's comfy. He's found his level. Um, You've got a guy who said after a cup final defeat, well, I'm just happy we reached another cup final. It's pointless. You know, a winner gets that you could get in the third round of the final. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, um, and I think we've dealt with the money question. Neil Atkinson, what are the three things you've learned about the club, the game in Scotland, or even your own relationship with Rangers throughout the journey of admin till now? The game in Scotland is riddled it's it's in a, a self-imposed straitjacket made of hatred, there you go, those are our ponty phrase that it, it feels comfortable with blame rather than solutions and it revels in things that then hold it back from achieving anything at a decent level it's also too fragmented and too many people in positions of power survive due to the tactics of divide and conquer and that's why it won't change and much I hate to say it scottish football will not change in the significant future uh, in the, uh, the foreseeable future rather it won't change significantly and yeah, I, I, listen, we've been having these debates for 20 years. Scottish football is what it is. There's no desire really for people to moan about when Scotland get humped or teams get to Europe, but realistically, they use it for their own ends and they don't really care. What have I learned about the club? That it, the, the one thing that never changes and therefore the most important thing at Rangers are the fans. And I think that we had been brainwashed into forgetting that over the years. I think very deliberately, we, we became supplicants and we became, was almost feudal to the Lord and the big house and we became grateful for him allowing us the pleasure of following our club rather than, rather than understanding that it's us who make this thing special. And I think that that's been rediscovered and that that fills me with joy. And my own relationship with the club, um, I found that it's stronger than probably any relationship in my life with the exception of my mother and father. Um, I think that I joked in the past about wives come and go, but wives have came and went. So, and Rangers is there forever. So I think that I've learned that it's, to me, it's as... Uh, immutable a thing is waking up in the morning and automatically breathing and i think until i don't do the latter the former will always be the case and our last question comes from harry mcrandall harry says david can a sensible argument now be made for a fans rep to sit on the board of directors given that club 1872 now holds a sizable chunk of the shares yes i believe that's the case and i think that it's important for the board to remember that they see things differently to us and I know that they're fans, I get that but when you're close to something you don't always get the amount of vision that you get when you're a wee bit further away and I think it's important for them to do more than pay lip service to how important the fans are the fans are our football club it's as simple as that, the fans are the guys who we'll keep our club big, the only thing really at times the last eight years that did. It's people like us who every day live with us when Rangers aren't where they should be. Every day face the barbs and the abuse and the, the comments and, and even just you know when we're alone just the kind of gap where success and our football club should be and I think that it's important for them to make sure that they're aware of that. It's difficult when we meet guys in in high positions at the club not to be a little bit in awe because of what they represent to us. It's not them as individuals, it's, it's who has gone before them, it's who we've watched, it's our dreams. And I think it's important to then have a business relationship with a fans group or a fan to to make them realize look this is vital and if you think that we're moaning at you for the sake of it we're not if you think that we're complaining to you just to have something to say we're not we do this because we love this because it's our lives because it matters so much and I don't think it would do any harm for the board to be aware of that and as I say, to do more than words and to show it and that to me would be an easy demonstrable way of saying, look, look what we've done. I don't know if they'll do it. I don't think they will. For me, it's such an easy thing to do. And it's such a straightforward thing to do. And I know that the board will say, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but, you can present reasons not to do anything forever. At the end of the day, if they want to do it, they'll do it. If they don't, they won't. And the longer they don't do it, to me, it proves the more that they, they don't. But I think that the board need to realize that the continued existence of this football club is due to them yeah but mainly to us because we refused to give in and i think that that has to be recognized and cherished and held at the center of everything that we do moving forward Okay then, folks, that will all but do me today. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who sent the questions. And next time, if you want to send the questions, make sure that you're over on the Heartland Patreon site. Like I say, just $1.99 per month. If you want to support us in another way, though, and just keep listening to free shows, we've introduced a brand new range of tat on our tat emporium over at the Heart and Hand website, which is just heartland.co.uk, which you should go to anyway, because there's loads of good stuff to read on it. But we also have introduced some fantastic new things. So water bottles, I mentioned the gym earlier. staunch you are. With a nice heartland water bottle and also one of them traveling coffee mug things um that i know are quite popular among cool people on trains and shit so you know rather than getting one with well, like game of thrones on it yeah you know, they, they make enough money you know pay pay, pay for us so <laughs> go to heartland.co.uk Thank you very much then for listening to me today. Just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles. I will talk to you again on Thursday when we'll be looking ahead to, yes, the weekend when our boys are back. Until then, have a fabulous week and I will talk to you then. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. 18 plus.